0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au Well, it's my joy this morning to hear from none other in the Word of God than Pastor Bruce Grant, who I just love. I think Bruce is just, God is using him in such a a, a tremendous way. It's only uh, last year, was it Bruce, Nicaragua, year before, two years ago. Uh, Bruce was teaching 400 people in the Amazon basin about how to deal with all manner of domestic violence and assaults and whatever. I know this year with Red Frogs, he's leading the sexual assault team down there. As sad as it might be that we need to have that, I thank God we're gonna have one of our very own leaders and a man of God who's gonna be leading that area. So let's give it up. Big hand for Pastor Bruce Grant. Here he is with the Word this morning. Pastor Jeff. Well, always a privilege uh, to share the word of God with family, old and new. You know, quite often through messages like this, someone like me will say, raise your hand if dot, dot, dot. Well, yes, I have got one of those, but I'm probably not going to get too many hands because my question to you this morning is, who has never gone on a diet, a food diet, who's never tried the whole food diet thing? I didn't think there'd be too many hands, yeah, four Five, six, seven, within about 250-odd people. So there you go. The rest of you know why. Diets, they're all about restrictions, aren't they? They're about what you can't do rather than what you can do. Who gets motivated by what you can't do? Not many people. You'd be a strange creature, I think, if you get motivated by what you can't do. It's all about what you can't have and what you can't eat. But if you change those things around to what you can do, then restriction can become benefit for certain things. And dieting is a bit like that as well. So rather than what you can't eat, it can be about what you can eat. So after a meal, you can have a piece of fruit. That's what you can have. That's great. Now, if you immediately thought about apple pie, which has got fruit in it, sorry, I don't think that actually counts. It's got to be real fruit without other things added onto it. So a bit of a segue then to what I wanted to share with you this morning. We're talking about hunger, kind of a bit about food hunger, but really more so about spiritual hunger. And so, of course, uh, these things uh, align with each other. So my first point then, if you want to be taking notes, and of course, we've always got hard copies of notes available. The host team have always got those at the beginning of each service, so you're more than welcome to get copies of those and handwrite some notes in if that's your style. Uh, if you're on the MetroChurch.online platform. The message notes are always up there and you can edit those on screen whilst I'm talking. You can change my message if you like to, completely up to you. Um, and of course, you can just listen and take notes on your phones or whatever. But my first point here, hunger leads to life or death. Well, that's true in the physical sense as far as food, but it's also true in the spiritual sense. Our hunger can lead to life or death. We get on, before we get onto the morbid stuff, well, that kind of is already, here's some fun facts of the human body. How long do you think the human body can survive without food? Now, of course, we've all got different human bodies. Just look around you right now. They're all different. But taking those things into consideration, pretty much you can go without food before you die anywhere between one to three months. Now, according to your body type and your your levels of fitness and the environment in which you are in, if you're in a, a desert somewhere... Without food, I don't think you're going to last the three months. So anywhere between one and three months is a lack of food before you basically leave this life onto the next. How about water? That's actually pretty sobering. One to three days. One to three days is pretty amazing. Did you know that when you actually get thirsty, as in you want some of this, unless you've got a frog in your throat, by the time you actually have a thirst sensation, you are already technically dehydrated. The body is trying to tell you, hey, you're missing something here. You are dehydrated. Now, one of the first signs of dehydration is lack of concentration and being able to think and being able to stay alert. Anyone experiencing that right now? We've got some water. (laughs) If you need that, we can help you right from the get-go. So that's one of the first things. But hunger is really about stirring an appetite, letting you know that you need something. You either need some food or you need some drink on there. So it's a great thing. So when we're talking about hunger leading to either life or death, there's a few different levels that I just want to unpack this morning on that. First of all, and initially, we do need to be moved from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. That might be something new, perhaps, to your ears if you've not uh, read much about the Bible or you haven't been exposed to a lot of Christianity. The Bible talks a lot about, God talks a lot about being moved from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. So here's a scripture for you. This is John chapter 5 and verse 24. This is Jesus talking. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Now, the believing, it's a bit more than going, well, I believe in that, because the devil believes in Jesus, and he's certainly not got eternal life in heaven. It's a, it's a real earnest, like, I believe Jesus and I believe that his lordship and he died for me. It goes a bit deeper than that. But that's where Jesus is talking about moving from spiritual death to spiritual life, having that hunger. And, you know, God does place that hunger inside the heart of every human, every human being. God's placed that desire. There's, there's, a, there's a sense of emptiness in our hearts and in our spirits until we do come to know God. Here's another part which I think is quite sad but also scary at the same time. We can move from being spiritually alive to spiritually dead. It's easy, somewhat, almost too easy, to drift away from having known a great fruitful life to one that's headed towards death. This one is uh, the story about um, the prodigal son. So some of you may have been aware of this. So I just want to show you a couple of verses that talk about this aspect of going from death to life and then life to death. This is Luke chapter 11 and verses 31 to 32. My son, the father said, this is the son of the father who'd gone away and done crazy, stupid things. The father said, you were, you were always with me. Sorry, this is the other son that got left behind. You were always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and was found. So that talks of a spiritual death. Someone can have absolutely everything and then easily drift away from that. And that is an amazing cautionary tale, I think, to every single one of us, to always make sure that God is centre. You know, every time I pray, the first thing that I pray, if you want to call it religious so be it. But the first thing I always pray is I thank Jesus for salvation. I never want to forget that he's brought me from death to life. And I think if you make that the first thing, it helps you realise the significance of the gift of life that Jesus has given every single one of us who have open ears to hear that. And I think that's going to be a great thing to guard your heart and help you make sure that you stay spiritually alive and that you don't get drawn away to the things that can bring spiritual death. On to the next point then, or the sub-point, you can actually be spiritually dying and not realising it. In the early days of ship sailing, we're talking like the 1700s, the 1800s, sailors were regularly dying. And after a little while, they realised it was a disease which got identified as scurvy. And it turns out that the reason why the sailors were dying is that they had a lack of vitamin C in their diets. And then they discovered that Obviously, we know today in modern science and, and, uh, and the like that if you have citrus fruits, oranges, lemons, uh, they have vitamin C in them. So do ginger in actual fact. And so once they started including this into the diets of the sailors, then they were no longer developing and dying of scurvy. But the amazing thing is that you can know things and then also forget them. This is an incredible quote. I was just doing a bit of top-up research on scurvy. I'd I'd known about it, but I wanted to make sure that I gave you some accurate facts here. So here's a quote from, from Wikipedia. The knowledge that consuming foods containing vitamin C is a cure for scurvy has been repeatedly forgotten and rediscovered into the 20th century. Isn't it amazing that something so significant, something so powerful, can be discovered, learnt, thought about, taught about, and then it just gets forgotten? And then everyone starts dying again. Isn't that so true with us, though? We can read the Word of God, get amazing guidance and direction about the things that we need to do, the things that we ought not to do. And if we're not regularly feeding on the Word of God, then we can forget some of those things and realize we've drifted off from what it is that we should be actually doing. That's a slow spiritual death without realizing it. I'm a, I'm a bit of an aviation fan. If you've heard me speak before, you probably know that. And, uh, you know, you get the whole briefings on the airplanes that uh, in the event of sudden cabin depressurization, oxygen masks will fall from the, from the ceiling and, and do the whole thing. The reason why they do that, they don't wait until you feel there's a lack of oxygen, because by the time you feel the lack of oxygen, you are dead, or at the very least, unconscious. It's true. The body doesn't realise that it is slowly dying. You get uh, a little bit sleepy, a little bit drowsy, perhaps a little bit delirious, and then you become unconscious. And if you maintain in that situation of lack of oxygen, you will actually die. The human body knows oxygen and uh, needs oxygen. I'm sure you all know that. So you can s- slowly be dying spiritually and not really realizing it. And here's another, hopefully, encouraging scripture uh, from the Bible that God wants us to make sure that we are constantly tapping into the source of where we can sustain and fulfill that spiritual hunger that God has placed inside every one of us. Here it is in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? So that's God saying, make sure you tap into here. Stay salty. Be connected with the word of God. Now, you know, there's also missed opportunities, and I think that can be a sign of not necessarily spiritually dying, but being on a restrictive diet. And we all know what restrictive diets are about, or most of you do. Restrictive diets are about reducing something, and there's normally an end result of that. Now, if it's a good, healthy diet, a restrictive diet is about maybe losing some weight or just getting more healthier. But if you end up on an inadvertent restrictive spiritual diet, There will be things that you won't be able to do or things that you miss along the way. So I'm talking about missed opportunities. Here's an example here in Matthew chapter 22 and verses 1 to 5. Um, It's the parable about the, the wedding feast. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. And then we'll jump down to verses 8 and 9, still Matthew chapter 22. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet any you can find. There was a great opportunity there to celebrate, to join in, to be a part of things. And people allowed distractions to easily come their way. The interesting thing is that the banquet still went ahead. Now, this is a kingdom principle here. The things of God will not be thwarted. They won't not happen because we miss an opportunity. The kingdom of purpose will still continue to advance. But what a shame that we don't actually get to be a part of it. Can I tell you the most, one of the most important words that can ever be in your language as a Christian is the word yes. Saying yes to God without reserve, without necessarily knowing it. But, you know, you've got to have a trust in God and you can have a trust in God. That if he asks you to do something, if he puts something before you, then it is going to be for good things. And so you can trust in him and say yes to that so that you don't miss the opportunities. Okay, so that's my first point then. Hunger can lead to spiritual life or spiritual death. Let's go to my second point then. Hunger can lead to vision and ideas. Hunger, of course, gives you an idea. You know what that idea is? I think I need to eat something. Or if it's thirst, I think I need to actually drink something. But there can be other types of hunger that can lead to ideas and that can lead to vision. Here's an idea that led to vision. The vision was motivated by financial gain, and sometimes there can be those sorts of benefits that come out of vision. The vision or the idea was also something to be be visionary, to do something that had not been done before. Now, I'm talking about aviation here again. So in aviation, over the years and over the decades, there's been several changes, discoveries, advancements, as you were. Planes moved from novelty things uh, to war machines, sadly. Uh, Then they moved on to commercial machines used for transporting cargo and passengers alike. Then throughout those years, we had advancements. The planes went from propellers to jet aeroplanes, Early jet aeroplanes had normally four engines or maybe three, just because they were really big and really heavy, and they were trying to transport a lot of goods or a lot of people. So they needed to have those sorts of engines. But in that season there, someone had an idea. They had a hunger to do something different. They had a hunger that things could be a little bit different. So here's an image for you as to what aeroplanes looked like at the time that this person had some hunger. So there's your typical large plane at the top there. Um, that's a DC-10. And at the time, one of the world's largest manufacturers of aircraft was a company called McDonnell Douglas. And the DC-10 uh, is a plane that some of you may have even flown on, depending on um, how old or young you are here. But the second image underneath there, that's the idea that this company had, because up until that plane, all of the passenger jets, they were four engines or three engines. This company had a hunger, they had a desire... Let's do a two-engine plane, but not a small two-engine plane. Let's do a big two-engine plane and one that is actually wide. It hadn't been done before, but they wanted to proceed with that. But here's the thing that happens. They had their hunger, but they didn't proceed. They didn't think that there would be a market for such a plane. So they didn't follow through on that. Now, if any of you have flown on aeroplanes and you've been somewhat observant about the type of plane that you're flying on, you're probably thinking to yourself, I've been on a plane that had two engines. Yeah, pretty much most of us have. And not just smaller planes with two engines, that very plane the McDonnell Douglas thought wasn't actually going to work. We've all been mostly on planes with two engines that are big and wide, McDonnell Douglas didn't have follow-through on their hunger. They didn't think anyone would do anything like that. But you know what? They did. And this is going to shock you. Here is how embracing that idea turned out to actually be. Here's the next image. And have a look at that number in the middle there. 8,500 planes have been made since that first concept came about. So by them not following through on that idea, that that hunger, that vision that they had, that's what they missed out on. And you can see all the different types of planes that are up there now. We've got a Boeing Boeing 777 on there. Uh, We've got a Boeing 767, Airbus A330, Airbus A350, and the Boeing 787 Dreamliner. I told you I'm a, a plane nerd. But like we've probably all flown on a variety of those two-engine planes that one company, one person had a vision but didn't follow through on it. Do you know that airline company doesn't exist anymore? There was a huge vision, a huge opportunity to do something with the hunger, but they didn't. I wonder how many hunger opportunities have come our way and we haven't necessarily acted on them. Or maybe we have, but you're going to know in your heart Maybe he didn't quite give it 100%. And that's not to bring judgment or condemnation. I'm sure there's things that I've done in my life that God wanted more from me. I gave him some of me, if I'm being honest. But maybe I didn't give him as much as I perhaps could have. So let me encourage you to get better and better at saying yes and better at satisfying that hunger that God has placed in you. And, you know, it's not that God doesn't want us to be hungry. He absolutely does. Let me share another scripture with you. This is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's God's instruction saying, I want you to do this, and I will actually fill you. So if we're meant to have a hunger then, then well, what's it going to look like? I mean, we know what the tummy rumble feels like, but what's our spiritual hunger meant to look like? Well, it's going to be something different. each of us. But if it's God placing the hunger in our hearts, and it will be, then it's God who is going to know how each of our hungers are to be uniquely fulfilled, and it will be different and separate for every single one of us. Here's a scripture that uh, you may well know. This is uh, from the book of Jeremiah, so it's Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. And not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that first part of the verse here, and Pastor Jeff actually preached on this verse last week as part of his message, it's God saying, I know the plans I have for you. So there are plans, God knows what they are. And so then it's our job to lean into God and to seek his direction and to find out what those plans are, to seek him for that. Okay, so that's point number two. Hunger leads to vision and ideas. Let's go on to my third point then. Avoid spiritual junk food. It's out there, definitely. Most nutritionists, and we've got a few in this church, they would probably tell you when you're going out food shopping, it's best not to go out food shopping on an empty stomach. Anyone agree with that one? Because you're just going to see everything in the entire store, and probably things in certain aisles that maybe you shouldn't go down if you're trying to live a healthy, balanced lifestyle. So don't go shopping on an empty stomach. The reason for that is that you're just going to be completely open to anything and everything. But I don't believe that's the life that God wants us to have. He doesn't want us to be open to anything and everything. You can get your life into a whole bunch of grief if you do that. But you know what? Just like um, junk food doesn't have wrappers on it saying all the junk that's actually in it. It will be enticing imagery, bright, cheerful colours none of the bad stuff. Now, legally, they've got to have what they call a nutrition panel, which is kind of like, really? (laughs) Why would you have a nutrition panel on junk food? But legally, they have to have that. So they've got to list all of the ingredients on there. But if you're like me, if I'm wanting to have some junk food, which I do on occasion, I don't look at the nutrition panel. I know it's got a truckload of sugar in there and a whole bunch of other stuff. I know that. So I just do that. But you know what? When it comes to the things of our lives, The spiritual junk food that is around about us doesn't have wrappers or warnings on it. It can easily just come around our life without actually realising it. What can spiritual junk food look like then? Well, it can be activities and events that stop you coming here, for example, to church. There are more and more things, I can remember through the decades, I've been a Christian for over 30 years, and I can remember there were very little things that were open and available and operating on a Sunday. Even the shops were closed on Sundays. Now there are so many more things that are available on Sundays. Now the only thing that's changed in that regard is that there are more distractions that are out there. The shops will open other days of the week. So Sunday, unless you've got extreme working environments, Sunday does not have to be your food shopping day if it's going to impinge on coming to church or put anything else in there as well. That, that's what spiritual junk food can look like. It could be maybe watching movies, reading books, listening to music that is not necessarily godly aligned. In fact, some of the movies and some of the songs are far from godly. So is that the sort of stuff that you want to have in your diet or maybe not have those things in your diet? It can be as simple as staying up late at night So, that you then get so tired the next morning you need more sleep and you don't get up in time to spend time with God, if that's when you choose to have your time with God. So, be making sure that you don't have a whole bunch of spiritual junk food in your life. You can also be seeking the wrong things or the wrong things in the wrong order. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 6 and verses 31 to 33. Again, this is Jesus speaking here. He says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. That can be as simple as the food example that I just gave. Well, I've got to do some shopping, but hang on, let's get the priorities right. Yes, you've got to do food shopping but let's put the things of God first. I like watching movies. Great. Just make sure that they're movies that are not going to be polluting your mind and they're going to be filling you with things that you don't actually want to have. Enjoy a whole bunch of stuff, but read the warning labels, as it were. Okay, so that's point number three. Avoid spiritual junk food. Here's point number four, and my last one here. Develop your spiritual taste buds. I like the thought of that one, don't you? Develop your spiritual taste buds. You know what taste buds are for? They're there to inspire us, to motivate us, to seek after things that we enjoy. They're also to explore things. And so there might be things in your life that you haven't yet done in in God. Well, God's given us spiritual taste buds, and he wants us to exercise those And if you do the whole, but I haven't done that before, I don't know if I can do that, well, then that's not exercising your spiritual taste buds, and that's not putting a trust in God. Uh, Pastor Jeff mentioned um, the the missions trip that I went on a couple of years ago to Peru and got to speak to um, a, a large conference of people helping them through past abuse situations. Now, had I done that before? No. But that was firstly saying yes, And then it was allowing those spiritual taste buds to be exposed to something new, a new flavour in God that I had not previously experienced. And now because of that, I have an opportunity, as Pastor Jeff mentioned, to be a significant part of Red Fox this year, where they've realised there is a need for coming alongside young people should they find themselves in those um, unfortunate circumstances, So if I hadn't have allowed my spiritual taste buds to be exposed to new things in God, then a ministry like it's happening later on this year may not be happening. Or it might just be the missed opportunity that I spoke about. In the things of God, it probably still would happen, but I just wouldn't have a privilege of being a part of that. So let me encourage you to develop your spiritual taste buds. And again, well, how do we do things like that? There is so many verses in the Bible. Um, I was sharing with Pastor Michael. um, We were in mingle time before the service began, so that's our online uh, segment that goes from 9.15 to 9.30 in the morning. And he was asking me briefly about this message, and I was talking about, it's going to be about spiritual hunger. And I made the comment then, and I'll make it again to you now, that there is so much in God's word that he wants us to apply to our everyday lives. And sometimes it's staring right in front of us and we don't necessarily see it. Now, I get it's a big Bible, which is why it's a great idea to read it often, regularly, and lots of it. So here's one of those verses I'm talking about. This is Psalm 42 and verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you. That's the psalmist saying, I want to be like that deer that, that wants the water. I want to be longing for the things of you. I do so hope that is in your heart and in your spirit as well, to be longing for the things of God. And speaking of spiritual water, here's a um, A bit of a chunk of scripture that I do want to read to you because I want you to get the context here. This is about the Samaritan woman at the well uh, where she asks Jesus for water. So it's John chapter 4 verses 7 through to 26. Um, So CG, you've got a lot of this on there. Just for the sake of time, I'm going to get up to verse 19 for CG and then when we get to verse 20 we'll skip ahead but I'll tell you in a few moments. But I want you to get the idea of this. It's it's great sometimes to quote a scripture and focus on that verse, but other times it is quite important to understand the context, what's always important, but I want you to hear the context of this. So this is John chapter 4 and verses 7 to 26. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So here's the first clue here. He's sowing the seed of getting her to be thinking about this amazing divine encounter that she's just having with him. She thought it was just about the water. But Jesus is changing the conversation. Sir, the woman said, "'You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock?' Jesus answered, "'Everyone who drinks water, this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst.'" Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of well water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw the water. So she's hearing, but she's not hearing. Isn't that the case in our lives sometimes? God's trying to be telling us something. We're hearing one level of the message, but there's another level in there that we need to make sure that we are also listening for. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man that you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now we'll jump down to verse 25, just for the sake of time here. So picking this up on verse 25, the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus then declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. So there's a whole lot in there. Jesus talks about water becoming a wellspring, not a little puddle, but a wellspring. Now, wellspring basically means there is an ongoing, continual source. So at the beginning of this. Whole uh, interaction, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you water that will never run out. Now, immediately you can think, well, she's thinking about the the well. Maybe it's a a really, really deep well. Now, it's a different type of well that Jesus is talking about. It's a well spring. And he wants her to have that, he's encouraging her to have that in her life. So for us, when we come to drink of Jesus, it's not meant to be a one off. We can have a glass of this, but I'm sure you all know we need more than just a glass. We need to have this on an ongoing basis. Who's only eaten once in their life? If you put your hand up, we're going to check a pulse. Because as you heard at the beginning, one to three months, no more food, you're no more alive. So we've all eaten more than once. So Jesus is saying to this woman, you need to be drinking of this wellspring more than once. He gives you the step. And, of course, she's open and honest before God as well. So he's revealing to her what it is. So let me wrap up then with a few closing thoughts. We're talking about developing your spiritual taste buds. Again, there is so much in the Word of God where he wants us to do this. Let me throw this verse out to you. This is Psalm 34 and verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Isn't that great? God's telling us, come to me taste and see that I am good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Here's another one. This is Jesus again talking. This is Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's Jesus acknowledging we've got human fleshly body. They need food. They need water. They need liquid. But We can't live on that alone. How much we place our emphasis on the physical and not so much emphasis on the physical. You know, we know more about probably maintaining our physical life than we do about our spiritual life. Most of us probably know there was a a campaign quite a few years ago about two and five, um, having five pieces of fruit, sorry, five pieces of vegetables, two pieces of fruit, etc., mix them up. We know about that. Most of us, if you're conscious about what you eat, you probably know your calorie count, perhaps. You have a goal for how many calories you're going to have. If you're into exercising, it's like, oh, yes, I exercise three times a week for you know, an hour or 60 minutes or 30 minutes, and I, I check my heart rate, and I make sure that my resting heart rate is X number of beats per minute. That's wonderful. That's amazing stuff about our physical health. But who takes your pulse on your spiritual life? What's your resting pulse rate for spiritual What's your elevated spiritual rate? How many vitamins and minerals spiritually are you getting? What does your spiritual diet look like? Does it have junk food or is it good stuff? Is it the word of God or is it the word of the latest novel? Our spiritual needs continually change. We know that. And that was recorded throughout history, throughout the early churches as well. Uh, This is Paul in First Corinthians, where he wrote to the church saying, Look, we've got spiritual needs, and you need to make sure that you are constantly developing. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Their spiritual diet was still in the early stages. And that's not what the intention of God was actually about. So we need to do what we need to do regularly, and it's got to be a habit. For most of us, I think we've pretty much got the food habit down pat, haven't we? At least you probably eat three times a day. And I've spoken to a few people over the years with their diets, and they've said, oh, look, I've lost a whole bunch of weight. they said, I'm actually only eating when I feel like it. That might work for them, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't work for everybody. So most of us do the whole, we eat three times a day, don't we? We do breakfast, we do lunch, we do dinner. We've even got names for those things. As I said, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So again, in our physical sense, we have a regularity. Where's your spiritual regularity? Is it that I'm going to make sure that I pray with God and spend time in His Word every single day, whether that be morning or night? Now, just like you might skip meals every now and again, I think it's okay to skip your time with God every now and again, but it needs to be the exception, not the rule. Imagine what our lives could be like if we prayed three times a day, just like we eat three times a day. And I'm, I'm not talking about just saying grace. I don't think that really qualifies as some full-on serious prayer time. But it's engaging regularly with the things of God, making sure that we're not just having spiritual junk food, but we're having spiritual whole grains and great food like that. So it, it's things like reading our Bibles, reading our Bibles, Coming to church, praying, having other Christian connections and making it intentional, not just by chance, not just when you feel like it. So this whole message that I talked about, it's about having a spiritual hunger and the first verse I read out was about when we move from spiritual death to spiritual life. So that's the starting point and that's a huge one and that is the most important one and I want to help you with that right now. So if you are here in this building or you're joining us online live or you're joining us online after we've had this message live, then I'm speaking to every person. If you think, you know what, I might be that spiritually dead person. Or if you can't say with total confidence, yes, I am spiritually alive, well then maybe that's the Spirit of God tucking at your heartstrings. We become spiritually alive when we say yes to Jesus. And we ask him into our heart. And it is so super easy. And I'd like to help you with that right now. So just privacy in the auditorium, if I could just ask everyone to uh, just close their eyes for a moment. And I'm going to ask you this simple question that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Saviour, if you cannot say, I have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life, all you need to do is say yes to Jesus. Ask him into your heart. And it's as simple as you saying yes. But I'm going to ask you to do a physical act as well as you verbally, even if it's quietly, just saying yes to Jesus. If you would like to say yes to Jesus, to ask him into your heart, then if you stick your hand up, I'm looking around now, I will see that. And that will be a great way. Thank you. I see a hand down here. Anyone else? I'm just looking around. I'm going to ask you to say yes to Jesus. Great. Further down the back there, a few more there. Fantastic. Thank you. I see those. Fantastic. So that's one step, you raising your hand. And I'm going to get you to pray this prayer. And the rest of the church, we're going to pray it with you as well. And if you're online, then you can stick your hand up. I won't see it, but God will. I'm going to ask you all to pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I say yes to you. Come into my life, Lord. Forgive me of all my sin. Give me eternal life in you. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. And there's another way in which you can respond if you haven't already, and even if you have, there's a great resource we love to partner with you and give you. It's called Yes Text. So if you've got a mobile phone here in Australia, we just ask you to take the next step and text in the word yes through to this number, 0488 826 392 or if you're outside of Australia or you'd like to do an email version of that, then head on over to this website address, yes.metrochurch.org.au and you can click yes on there. Either way, there's another way of you saying yes and then what will happen if you do that, we will send you a Bible verse and a sample prayer related to that Bible verse, free of charge. We'll do that for the next 30 days. That's all we'll do is send you those things. We won't spam you or ask you for money. If you want to, you can opt out of that. You can remove yourself from that system, but very few people do. But the reason we do that, we want to get you into reading the Word of God and encouraging you in that for the first 30 days. After those 30 days, there are additional 10-day mini-series. You can opt into those. Again, they're all free of charge. It's us helping you on that journey because yes is just the beginning. That's you taking off the wrapper of your new spiritual life and your spiritual food. And then it's a case of engaging and getting into the Word of God on a regular basis. So if that's you, thank you so much. God bless you for being a part of that. Fantastic. Now, we love worshipping, so we're going to close out the service with uh, another worship song, and then I'll come and tell you about a few more things in a moment. Thank you, too.